many of you have known him as Don the Son. But today I have the honor of introducing him as Don the Man. 100% sold out God's man. And Pastor Heyman wrote this little intro for our son Don a while back. And, and I'm going to share it with you. Pastor Heyman and I in Calvary Church in Colorado are so blessed that Pastor Don has chosen to answer a God-given call to serve in ministry here in this harvest field. He gave up a highly successful business he had built from the ground up to answer his call and to serving in the most menial tasks that no one ever sees as administrative pastor. He serves God and the people of God with a smile and a gentle spirit. He has a servant's heart is a team player, and has a passionate love and burden for souls. He has been through Hope Corps Bible College course, pastor's leadership training certification, launch ministry training, and is now completing the course of becoming a fully licensed minister with the UPCI. He actively does pro bono work to help churches all over launch their music and administrative teams. I have watched him leave puddles of tears on the mission fields, concrete floors, play and lead worship until his back is breaking and he is drenched in sweat and tears. I've watched him weep brokenly and openly over lost souls. I've heard him say so many times, I love all the souls I know, but I love the ones I don't know even more. His call was recently again affirmed through prophecy that said he has the fire of Azusa Street on him. And I know if you'll open your hearts to hear what the Lord is going to use him to convey today through the word of God, you will be blessed. Son, come take your liberty. Back up the preaching of the word. The word of God is so good and so powerful and it will change your life today if you let it. You would just extend your hands up here and let's pray for anointing to fall on him in the powerful name of Jesus God this is your servant Lord Jesus and I know that you are going to use him to speak exactly what thus saith the Lord today in this service God let our hearts and our minds and our spirits be open to receive God in the name of Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Lord you are so worthy you can tell my parents wrote that intro. <laughs> I, uh, that all, all that stuff sure is true, but I, I, I promise, I, I almost don't know who that guy is. So just don't, don't hold me if I don't quite come up to whatever standard that might set for me. Just be patient with me. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I am very honored for this opportunity. Never take it lightly. But as Sister Heyman has already mentioned, I am so bummed that my pastor's not here this morning. And you know he's got to be sick, sick to not be here. So be sure to keep him in prayer. In Jesus' name, today will be the last day. I'm going to go ahead and speak it. I'm going to go ahead and claim it that today he'll be healed. In Jesus' name, amen. You believe that with me? Thank you for your healing, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to ask a question. How many of you have ever heard of fruit? oranges, apples, most everybody's heard of fruit. And I'd imagine if you're in church today, how many of you have heard of the Spirit? Right? The Spirit, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same thing. Now, 
how many of you have heard of the fruit of the Spirit? I know pastors preached on it. It's not an uncommon message title or a message uh, focus for this church. But what I would like to talk to you today is not about the fruit of the Spirit. I will a little bit, but it's the result of the Spirit. If you have the fruit, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but if you have the fruit, there's also gonna be a result of the Spirit. It's gonna show. It's not gonna just, it's not gonna be hidden. Amen. You may be seated. I know many of us may have heard of those scriptures in Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but I know there might be some either watching online with us today or that may be here today that haven't heard about it. And so we'll go into it a little bit, whether you've read it, learned it, or even taught it yourself, or you've never heard about it before. My prayer this morning is that you will take something from this. Tim Keller is a theologian, and he said this quote. He said, the spirit-fueled development of Christ-like character. So a lot of big words right there. The spirit-fueled development of Christ-like character is liberating because it brings us closer to the people that we were designed to be. The people our spirit-renewed hearts want us to be. Maybe not our fleshly hearts, but our spirit-renewed hearts want us to be. And so we'll get to our text this morning, Galatians 5, 17 through 23. I know some of you, like I said, have heard this, but if this is your first time, really listen or read along. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. That means the opposite. And the spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit... You're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, has a whole list, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, that means cliques, okay? Envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like, all kinds of crazy mess. And I warn you, this is Paul who wrote this to the church in Galatia, I think. Is it Galatia? Whatever. A church in the Bible. He said, I warn you just like he's warning us, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance. It's the same thing as patience. I almost said that, but I forgot it's forbearance there. Same thing. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's an awesome part. Against such things, there is no Law. And so the fruit of the Spirit listed all those nine things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those nine things, those qualities make up the fruit. You'll notice, though, that it says the fruit, right, of the Spirit, not the fruits. They aren't separate things. It's a nine-part fruit. It's like an orange. If anybody ever sliced an orange, I saw the coolest way to do it. I've never done it before, but I want to start doing it. You cut off the top, you cut off the bottom, cut all the way down to the middle, and it just unfurls like this. And then slice, 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 slice. It's really cool, but it's like that. That's obviously an orange, right? It's all one fruit, but there are many parts to that fruit. So imagine that the orange is kind of like the fruit of the spirit. And inside of that spirit, there's lots of fruit. But here's where I get my title from. The original Greek word for fruit is karpos. Don't worry, I'm not going to get all all Greek on you. 
carpos, but one definition of that word means this, a result of something. When the fruit of the Spirit is displayed in our lives and in my life, it's a sign or a result that we are being led by the Spirit of God. Just like the branches of a grapevine have to be connected to the vine in order to bear grapes and even be called a grapevine, the fruit of the Spirit is that evidence of being connected to Christ. That's why today we're talking about the result of the Spirit. So I want you to kind of, you don't have to close your eyes, but think with me. When is the last time you might have felt love? That's not a, that's not a trick question, just love. It doesn't have to be a specific kind, just love. Or you felt joy or peace or patience. Has it been a little while? I know for me, patience is tough. Lord, I'll tell you right now. We'll get into those a little bit more. But it, has it been a while? Maybe this message is for you, okay, to tell you to search your heart and think about why maybe one of those results are missing. To see if you're really connected to God like you could be and like you should be. So, but back to the Bible, why was the fruit of the Spirit even mentioned? Because of those five verses preceding it, all that nasty stuff? That's why it was brought up. Because, you know, I'm sure you all realize that we all have this thing called flesh, right? We're all human. And what flesh is, is it's our desires, our human desires. Our flesh wants things that prevent God's Holy Spirit from leading us, from leading us fully. In fact, though, in Galatians 5.17, like we read, the flesh desires what is contrary, what is opposite of the Spirit. And in the same way, what the Spirit wants is contrary to flesh. So to sum that up, what that means is you can be led by the flesh, or you can be led by the Spirit. You cannot be led by both. There's so much scripture about double-minded man, double-minded person. You can't have one thing you have to, or the other. You can only have one or the other. And we all have human moments, without a doubt. We're all humans. Even Jesus was tempted. But where Jesus is different is he was, he was tempted just like we are, but he withheld and withstood that temptation by showing one of those fruits of the Spirit, self-control. That's the importance is that, yeah, we're humans, and of course, none of us are Jesus. It would be nice, right? But none of us are Jesus. We're all tempted. We all have human moments. But probably the most beautiful part of that whole passage that we read from Galatians 5 is that verse 23, and it says there's no law against them. What that means is that it's true that we could do as much of those things as we want, and we're never going to get in trouble for it. If you get in trouble for having too much love, too much joy, too much peace, you probably need to check who you're hanging out around. That's a whole other thing. I wasn't even going to say that, but that's a goal to strive for, to have those fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so we're going to go into greater detail of those nine parts, just, just briefly, and we're going to recognize how that, that Spirit will manifest in our lives and show that we are under the influence of Christ and not under the influence of something else that we shouldn't be. Christine Kane is an author, a Christian author, and she said this, if the light that is on you is greater than the light that is in you, you can probably guess where that's going. That light that's on you is going to destroy you. In Ephesians 4 and 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles. He gave the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God, of Christ. I know that's a lot in there. But what that is, what those few scripts or that scripture is mentioning is what's called the spiritual gifts. Okay? We just talked about the fruit of the spirit. But this is just to kind of differentiate a little bit to get, provide some context. That nine-part fruit listed in Galatians 5 cannot be confused with those spiritual gifts. Okay? Here's why. Stick with me. Those are all given for the purpose of building up others. Pastoring, leadership, wisdom, encouragement. That's for others. The fruit, however, is produced by the Spirit... Not a gift from the Spirit. It's produced by the Spirit and is developed and displayed in us when we yield ourselves to God's Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is to build up ourselves. That's why I brought, even brought up this fruit of the, or the, the spiritual gifts as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit regularly operates in the background. You're, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of accolades for having love or joy or peace. And if we want to know, if we need to check ourselves, you ever heard of check yourself before you wreck yourself? This is a great way to do it. If you ever want to really know your growth, track your growth as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you shouldn't focus on how gifted you are or how talented you are on your spiritual gifts. No, it's the evidence of the fruit in our lives that shows our spiritual maturity and your spiritual maturity. Not that our spiritual gifts aren't important, okay? That is so important. We couldn't do life without pastor, and that's one of those gifts. They're very vital. It's just that we can operate in those gifts. Hear me now. We can operate in those gifts, the spiritual gifts, while we're also gratifying our flesh. There's a lot of pastors out there who are pretty ego-driven, Okay, I'm not saying like good pastors, whatever, but there are some giant mega church pastors who, man, that's a cushy job right there. That's for the ego, for the flesh. But exhibiting the fruit of the spirit is a manifestation. What that means is it really shows on the outside that you are transformed by the power of God. And so to put it in context, like I was just mentioning, it isn't uncommon to see men and women who operate in their spiritual gifts, but then act completely different. A 360. Okay? Because God is going to use, here's why, God's going to use whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. God used a donkey. If you've never heard of that scripture or never heard of that story, it's wild, okay? God was trying to reveal, I'm just going to really quick context, he was trying to reveal something to this guy, and the guy couldn't see it, so the angel, or an angel had to make the Donkey talk. There's a talking donkey in the Bible because the man couldn't see it. So that means he, there was nobody around else for him to use. He had to use the donkey. And if he could use a donkey, I promise you, he can use you. So here's an example. Maybe you've heard someone preach an incredible message or someone's giving you encouragement or life-changing wisdom, but then see him later not even practicing what they were preaching. All right? Or maybe as someone, you see someone give generously of their time or their money to help people in need, less fortunate, but then turn around and go home and their family life is in shambles. They're rude and they're unkind to their own family members. But the exciting part is the opposite is also true. There are people all over the world who are continually exhibiting that fruit in their daily lives. They may be serving behind the scenes. They may be visiting someone in the hospital or they may be offering their time by just spending time with a friend in need. 
their contribution to building up believers may not be flashy. They might not get, like I said before, accolades or, or any, uh, uh, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter. But they're probably not going to be noticed. But their character is deep. Their character is deep because they've chosen to deny the flesh. We're going to talk about that. It gets tough. Deny the flesh and walk in the fruit of the Spirit. So the bottom line, of course, either way, spiritual gifts are wonderful and incredible. But like we read in 1 Peter 4, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so now that there's a little bit of context between the difference of spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, we can realize that, like I said, to develop love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of those fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, remember, it's not going to be flashy. And again, whether you've heard about the fruit of the Spirit or not, most of us probably know our own sort of a simple definition of what each of those uh, each of those fruit qualities are. When you think of love, you might think of romance. When you think of joy, you might just think of happiness or peace and patience. You might think of, of the inner peace and Tai Chi and stuff like that. But what I want to look at briefly here are spiritual definitions, real definitions of what this whole scripture is about, these sets of scriptures. We're going to start with love. Love is selfless. It's giving. And it's devoted it's love of God and love of others. It's an active display, and it compels us to put others' needs, others needs above our own. Love honors others and celebrates, celebrates truth no matter how difficult it is to hear it. It gives of self even when self doesn't feel like it. Love doesn't allow feelings to dictate its choices. Love is hopeful. It's persevering and trusting. Loving people keep hatred apathy, and self-preservation far from them. So when you hear that little definition there, it's no wonder that love is the very first part of the fruit of the Spirit. Or it's the very first part of our vision statement. Love, grow, serve, go. But let's stop again. Again, this is the first stinking quality, love. Okay? It's a tall order right off the bat. Gives of self when self doesn't feel like it? Celebrates truth no matter what? Wow. <laughs> Here's my personal take, okay? Which is not really that personal, actually, because it's, it's pretty biblical. But it's a whole lot easier to get all of the rest of the fruit right when you get love right. Think about it, okay? Have you ever felt a really deep, probably spiritual joy without a little bit of love in there? or peace, or kindness, or goodness without love in there? We read in 1 Corinthians, I know most of us have probably heard, read this scripture before, love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And Jesus said it himself in the book of Matthew. When someone was asking him what the greatest commandment was, he said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So you may read that what all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments and wonder what that means. It's this, okay? The entirety of the law given in the Old Testament and the enti- all the words of the prophets throughout the Old Testament are all dependent on those two things, love of God and love for others. So if we can't get love right, how in the world can we get the rest right? I pray that God would really let that sink in right now. Love is such an important catalyst. It's the first, the very first fruit. Remember that as we go through the rest of these. If you have love, it's going to be a whole lot easier to get the rest. And then we go to joy. If you've known me for any length of time, you probably know that I'm usually an optimist to a fault. My wife probably hates it. I always see the cup half, half full, whatever, not half empty. Um, but I, I live by the words, choose joy. That's just me. Am I human? Absolutely. I mean, ab- obviously, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a human. I have awful days sometimes. We all do, okay? Without a doubt. But here's the thing, okay? Spiritual joy is a deep and enduring state of our soul that no circumstance, no event, and no human can steal away from us. It's delighting in God, and it's choosing to rejoice in all things because our circumstances don't rule us. Our mood swings are non-existent. This doesn't mean that we're always in a good mood or always having good days, but we can remain in an unexplainable place of contentment. Joyful people don't allow misery, sorrow, sadness, or despair to rule their thoughts or guide their actions. There is so much Bible to back that up, but Philippians 4 and 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. He even went went so far as to say, again, I say rejoice. Anybody ever heard of C.S. Lewis, the author? Chronicles of Narnia, Screwtape Letters, all that. Incredible. One of my favorite authors, he said this. He said, life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. And so to me, having peace is one of those things that's a whole lot easier said than done which really could be said about all of these if we're honest, and not just peace. But whenever you're facing something that's really difficult, truly, truly difficult, where it doesn't make any sense why you're struggling with it in the first place, trusting God will make all the difference. And I I can speak from personal experience that that's how it works. But here's what peace is. Peace is a deep well of confidence that God is who he is and that he will do what he said he will do. Peace comes, this is it right here, peace comes from resting in the hundreds of promises that God made us in his word. Resting in those promises. It's choosing to work with others for a common goal instead of insisting on our own way. Some of you might need to hear that. Peace is often unexplainable and incomprehensible. That's why we, we hear, oh man, what's the, what do we say all the time about peace? Unexplained, no. God give me peace that, peace that passes understanding. That's what, that, that's what that is. Peace that we cannot understand. We don't know why. We may be in the deepest struggle of our life, but somehow we have peace. That's God. That's not us. That's not human. That's not the flesh. Peace is unexplainable, but when we have it, we know. 
we have it. But we also sure know when we don't have it. Peaceful people don't go to war with their actions or words, for they know that God controls all things. This scripture is so important, Romans 8 and 6. The mind governed by the flesh, this is a human mind, is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Doesn't that sound so much nicer? All right, patience. Okay, Lord have mercy. Can I talk talk to you about patience? Okay, it's a tough one. Another Christian author said this, patience is waiting without complaining. It's a tough one. Again, I already asked, we're all humans, right? Anybody a human? Yeah, obviously, me too. Patience is probably the hardest on the whole list. But here's what it comes down to. Patience is exhibiting calmness during the midst of stressful situations. Very similar to peace. It's showing empathy toward others when they're not doing things to our standard. Patience is produced when we support the growth in others as they are on their own journey in life. It's not getting easily disgruntled when a delay occurs. That won't matter in 10 years, let alone in 10 days. Patient people don't become easily annoyed. They don't become agitated, nor do they show intolerance. Psalm 37 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. What that means is that people are probably going to get ahead of you. And you just got to have patience, even if they're bad people, wicked. Okay, now we move to kindness. To me, kindness along with goodness should be no-brainers. Okay, I personally don't think that being kind or being good to others is, shouldn't be hard. They shouldn't be nearly as difficult to live by. I mean, okay, well, but let's, put, let's, let's get real. Has anyone ever run into a Christian or a fellow believer that was, that was rude? <laughs> We've all been there. I'm sure I've been. I know I've been rude at times. Okay, and I'm sorry. I shouldn't be that way. How Christ-like is that? <laughs> Lord, help us be kind and good to others. Kindness is the simplest thing. It's just genuinely being kind to anyone and everyone. It assumes that all people deserve kindness no matter matter the differences in their viewpoints or their cultures, their ethnicity. Nothing would deserve a lack of kindness, should deserve a lack of kindness. Kindness celebrates others and serves when there's a need. It looks out for the well-being of others and shows compassion when it's needed. It assists others and it shows courtesy and benevolence to anyone. Kind people don't have animosity. They don't have ill will or envy toward others. Proverbs 11 says, those who are kind benefit themselves. But the cruel, whether you mean to be cruel or not, that will bring ruin on yourself. And similarly, goodness is truly desiring to help others. It doesn't approach or entertain sin. Goodness does the right thing and challenges other people to do the same, even if the conversation is uncomfortable. It's decent, it's honest, it's moral, honorable, virtuous, and full of integrity. Good people don't just do the right thing. They make things right. James 3, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. 
All right, into the home stretch. You still with me? Faithfulness. I'm sure for some of us, whenever you hear faithfulness, you probably think of loyalty to a spouse, which is true, if it's great, or dependability on the job, again, which is also true. But let's, let's see how it, how it works in a spiritual sense. Faithfulness is being dependable in our relationship with others, but especially in our relationship with God. It's choosing to be true to our word and following through with our promises. Faithfulness possesses a constancy, a devotedness, and steadfastness in all its interactions. It's being reliable in a world that's not. Being reliable in a world that's not. Faithful people aren't disloyal, nor are they flippant with their commitments. God is faithful, and so the least we should be is faithful as well. In the Bible, it says we live by faith and not by sight. Now, gentleness. This one can be a tough one for a lot of guys, especially macho guys, okay? I know for a lot of people, not just, not just men, but being gentle might seem like it's being soft or being weak or, you know, not being a man, whatever. But it couldn't be further from the truth, okay? Gentleness is allowing God to deal with others so that we don't have to. And so that we don't have to take matters into our own hands. It's been said that gentleness is the grace of the soul. It includes being calm, serene, and tranquil. It's so important that I'm going to say it again. Okay? Gentle doesn't mean someone is weak. Quite the opposite. It takes incredible strength to be gentle when the flesh wants the opposite. Gentle people are not harsh. Okay? Philippians again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Okay, now we come to the last, but certainly not the least. There's a quote that I read once about self-control, and it's this. Here is the beautiful paradox of Christian living. We must give up control of self to have self-control, to gain self-control. And so after patience, I feel like we as humans probably struggle the most with self-control. Okay? Has anyone ever wanted something so bad that you just kind of went and did it without really thinking about whether it was wise financially or relationship-wise, whatever? We're humans. I know I've done that. Or maybe you saw a cool gadget. Pastor and I struggle, okay? That you see is available in four easy payments with no interest. (sighs) But listen, okay, this isn't a financial class, but if it's not in the bank, you can't afford it. (laughs) Okay, I've been in crippling debt, and it's not fun. All thanks to God that I'm out of it. It's a lot of work. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, back to self-control. This is what it is, okay? Self-control is literally being able to keep yourself in check. It's not letting our circumstances cause us to lose control. Self-control exhibits moderation, temperance, and discipline. It's choosing under significant pressure to chase after the important. Get this, listen. It's choosing under significant pressure to chase after the important instead of after the urgent. First Thessalonians says, it is God's will that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Now, doesn't life with these nine qualities sound amazing? To live like that, to have that kind of, it sounds like it's just an easy life, right? But here's the thing. I know that, sound, that some of that stuff sounds so difficult to try to really start getting in your own life. But here's the thing. When you start making a habit of just one of those things, the next one gets a little bit easier. Yeah. 
And the next one gets a little bit easier. You start seeing others at the children of God, that love is going to get a whole lot easier. You start seeing someone else that might have, you might have a little better life than them or an easier life than someone else, that kindness starts getting easier. You start realizing that God has everything under control, that patience starts getting a little bit easier. God wants you to walk through the doors of a better life, and he's given you the keys. It's right here. I'm going to have you stand with me. I'm almost done. The musicians can come. I'm going to have them bring the house lights down. And I want you to really listen to what I'm about to say. The Holy Ghost has no experience with being impatient. No experience with being hateful or rude. That's the language of our flesh. What will happen is that the fruit will be the byproduct of a life surrendered to Christ. But we're not called to to focus on the fruit, although the fruit is wonderful. We're called to focus on the spirit. Simple enough, right? Hear me. We're not called to focus on the good part of the fruit of the spirit. We're called to have the spirit first. If you want a better life filled with the fruit of the spirit, all you need is the spirit. Too often, we don't see growth in ourselves. I am personally responsible for this. And we might actually say things like, I'm just an impatient person. I just can't get along with other people like that. Or I'll never be good enough. Or I've made too many mistakes for God to ever use me. No, the truth of the matter is that when we have that mindset, we're just choosing to walk in the flesh. In our human existence, me right here before you, I'm the opposite of the spirit. And so seeking God and asking him to help us grow in exhibiting this fruit will challenge you to become better. And it will challenge you because we're choosing to deny our flesh and feed the spirit instead. You're going to notice that you'll start being placed in situations that will allow the Holy Spirit to develop his fruit within you. It's been said that every problem is a character-building opportunity. It's not easy to, to, to withhold from our flesh because of these three things. Our flesh wants to get even, but the Spirit calls us to love and to extend kindness. Our flesh wants to entertain sinful thoughts, but the Spirit calls us to walk in self-control. Our flesh wants to dictate with moodiness, but the spirit calls us to walk in joy and in peace. So what if today, going forward, we truly lived out the life in Romans 13, 14? It tells us to clothe ourselves with Jesus and to not even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Every day that we put on Jesus, We obey the Spirit's leading, and we basically ignore our flesh. That is hard. It's all about where we look and what we look to for satisfaction. And as we give the Spirit more and more control of our lives, He will begin to do in and through you what only He can do to shape us and to mold us to grow and to look like Christ. We are literally being transformed, and when we do, We can see our own growth as we grow with Christ. In our lives, 
Every word and every action is fruit. You're going to choose the fruit of the spirit or you're going to choose the fruit of the flesh. Sinners will sin because that's what's in their hearts. Thieves steal, liars lie, and adulterers cheat because those sins are the fruit being produced from an evil heart. When Jesus said in that scripture, you will know them by their fruit, he's talking about false teachers and fake people, but we're also given an incredible guide that we will know ourselves by our fruit, that we can identify our own hearts. Would you close your eyes? These altars are open this morning. If you would like to make a change, I am challenging you right now. He's ready to meet you. Close your eyes, lift your hands and ask that he will mold your heart and create a clean heart in you.